Best friend hood. Best friend. 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 You're my best friend. You're my best friend. Best friend hood. All right, I think we have everything. I'm going to try this. There, that seems to work okay. Yeah. Hi, that's Jake, and that's also Jake, and this is Best Friendhood. Now, you've probably noticed already that there's not a Melissa on this one, and quite frankly, friends, that's due to a series of unfortunate events. We usually try to record a few weeks ahead, and lately we just haven't been able to do that because... We're busy. We have jobs, lives, other things going on. This week we weren't able to get together, but we both decided that it was still really important to release some content, to release an episode, because we know that a lot of you enjoy listening to us, and part of that is making sure that we release regular episodes. And so we decided that I would go ahead and just make an episode by myself. Feels a little bit weird. So typically we record in this wonderful studio. And today I am back in the closet. I am recording in my closet. It was one of the only places I could find in my apartment where you couldn't hear traffic and all the other kind of, you know, nonsense sounds that happen when you're trying to record yourself. Here we go. It seemed like a pretty obvious topic to cover today since it's a one-sided podcast. So this is going to be, you know, it's going to be the science without the fart jokes. I don't have the sense of humor that Melissa does. I don't have the wit, or at least I don't believe I do. She tries to tell me otherwise, but I think she's wrong. So today, I, I'm going to talk to you guys about loneliness. We spend so much of our time on the podcast talking about all of the amazing things that come from friendship and having a best friendhood. But what happens when we don't have a friend? I'm sure we've all experienced it where, whether it's a series of circumstances or a lack of connection, or maybe you've just moved to a new city and you haven't quite, you know, connected with coworkers and other people that you can build a friendship with, and you find yourself kind of lost on your own. It's not a great feeling. And again, I think it's safe to say that we've all been there. I know for me, when I first started college many years ago, the first, no, the second time I tried to go to college, hey, you can drop out of college a few times and still go back someday and get your master's. How cool is that? The second time I tried to go to college, I went to the biggest university, I think it's the biggest university in our state, and was really hoping that by going there I would be able to connect with some people and build some friendships that I really lacked when I first tried college. And unfortunately, at that time, I was not able to do that. I wasn't in a place emotionally to really connect with people. I was in a very withdrawn I think probably depressed, time of life, I spent a lot of my time in my dorm room by myself, feeling lonely. Now, of course, that's changed, and I think that was a contributing factor to me dropping out for the second time, was that even though I enjoyed my classes and I was doing well, I just, I didn't have that social support. None of my friends from high school were in the same city as me. The couple of friends that I did have in that city already had their own well-established groups of friends. And between my depression and probably anxiety and just the busyness of life, never really felt like I had the opportunity and in hindsight didn't make the opportunity to really try and connect with those people. Now, when we're lonely, when we experience loneliness, there's a lot of different things that happen. 
one, we experience the grief or the sadness of just being disconnected from somebody else. We humans are hardwired to be in connection with each other. So much of my work as a therapist is around helping people find healthy and supportive connections to others. My role is, and I tell this to my clients, my role in their life is to help bridge a gap that through the relationship we build within the therapy room, they can have a new experience of vulnerability, of openness, of learning how to trust someone. And through that, the goal and the intent is to then take that new experience or what some theories may call a disconfirming experience and apply that new sensation, that new experience in their own lives, out in the real world, outside of the safety of the therapy room or the therapy session. It's really interesting because so many people who struggle, there's all kinds of reasons that we struggle. We can struggle because of childhood trauma, neglect, adulthood trauma. I mean, and and not everything has to be because of trauma by any means. We can struggle because life is hard. Let's be honest. It's hard. And when we don't have a safe connection, whether that's to family or friends or a chosen family, that makes the struggle even more difficult. Even just thinking about it right now, as I'm sitting alone in my closet, I feel a sense of sadness as I reflect and and kind of imagine that struggle and that loneliness that comes with struggling. I am feeling that sadness. And for those of you who are out there who are struggling with loneliness or sadness because of disconnection, I feel you. I, I see you and reach out. I'll give you the ways you can do that at the end, but truly, if that's something that you're wrestling with, you don't have to do that alone. So here I am, thinking about loneliness, thinking about being disconnected from a friend. You know, a few weeks ago, the primary topic of our episode was the benefits of friendship. And in case you haven't listened to that one, or maybe you just forgot because you were cleaning while you were listening, I don't know. Uh, I know I always miss a part of my podcast because I end up doing something and then missing out on part of what's said. Sometimes I take the time to like rewind and re-listen and other times it just doesn't even occur to me and then the podcast ends and I go, wait, what did I just listen to? It's kind of that same feeling of when you're reading a book and and you find yourself reading and rereading the same paragraph or the same line over and over with the recognition and awareness that I'm not really taking any of this in. Oh, that's such a frustrating sensation. <laughs> it drives me nuts. As you guys know, we've talked about this before. I am a huge reader. Uh, my 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 goal for 2022 is to read 52 books. That's a book a week. And it's really frustrating to experience that and then remind myself, hey, pay attention. You're trying to read this book so you can mark it off the list. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. And I don't even have Melissa here with me, sidetracking with me. So that's a that's an experience I'm having. So we know that the benefits of having a friend are vast. You have someone that you can share your stress with, someone you can share your joys with, your celebrations, your grief, your losses, and that there are physiological changes that happen in the body and in the brain. There are chemicals that get released. The reward system gets activated when you feel validated and accepted and connected. And I know we talk about those things a lot. When we don't have a connection, 
when we find ourselves in places of isolation, as many of us have, I dare say all of us, over the last two years of this GD pandemic, when we don't have that, any of those things, when we, when we don't have that connection, not only do we miss out on the benefits, there are actually a number of things that happen that counterbalance and then offset the benefits of having a friend. To recap, benefits are dopamine, safety, neurological, physiological reduction of stress, and the stress hormone cortisol. Those things go down. We, ex- we experience a release of oxytocin, which, to remind you, actually can disrupt or break up uh, cortisol clumps, if you will, within the brain. But when we're lonely, when we feel lonely and we don't have those things going on for us, the opposite happens. Our stress response is heightened. Our bodies naturally release the stress hormone and that creates, that can lead to higher blood pressure, that can lead to Well, I'm not a doctor, so I need to be very clear about that. These are things that I've read on the APA website. Just putting that out there, there's my little disclaimer. The physical risks of loneliness are many. Dear listener, I hope you can indulge me for a few minutes and allow me to nerd out on something that I find fascinating, mesmerizing, enthralling, something that I spend so much of my day thinking about and reading about, that I would like to share with you. And I realize I'm, I'm in the middle of a thought and I'm starting a different thought. I promise I will circle back. In our bodies, we have what's called the vagus nerve. This nerve is largely responsible for the intake of sensory information through touch, sound, smell, taste, sight, all of those wonderful five senses that we are all so aware of and accustomed to. In the vagus nerve, we find safety and connection at the top. Let's say, imagine a ladder. It's at the top of the ladder. We find connection. We find safety. We're okay. We're hunky-dory. Maybe not happy or content. I don't want to mix, mix, you know, cross the wires here. But when we feel safe, when we feel connected, the top of the ladder is in charge. We're able to think clearly. We're able to make memories. We're able to make decisions. We're very attuned to our bodies and our surroundings. When people undergo stressful situations, the vagus nerve gets activated and we can slip into what's called the sympathetic response system. And that is where we experience that adrenaline rush, that increase in your heart rate or that like electric shock in your chest is how I experience it. My ears get really red, my fingers get tingly, and that's the body preparing for mobilization. That's the body preparing to run away from a threat, from danger, or to fight. It's your fight-flight response. The third part of the vagus nerve is what we call immobilization or the dorsal vagal system. Now, I'm not going to quiz you on these things, but I always find that it's helpful if we can understand what's happening in our bodies. With the dorsal vagal system, immobilization, that's where we kind of go numb, kind of check out. We may feel disconnected from our bodies. We are less aware of our surroundings. We may feel nothing at all and, and just feel kind of robotic. So the sympathetic and the dorsal vagal systems evolved as ways to protect ourselves. With the fight-flight response, adrenaline, cortisol, all of those chemicals that activate the body get released. And when that happens, those chemicals have to go somewhere. And so if we don't do 
something, then they just kind of float around and can cause adverse effects. This is why many people, when they're feeling really stressed out, will go for walks, or some people, when they're angry, will get on the treadmill and they'll run three miles, or lift weights, or scream into a pillow, listen to extremely loud, angry music, and just yell at the world in your car. What you're doing in those moments is you're releasing those chemicals. You're you're giving them an outlet so that your body doesn't have to just hold them. When we are lonely, especially chronically lonely or lonely for an ongoing amount of time, our body responds to that loneliness by activating the fight or flight system. It's not that we're necessarily perceiving or experiencing danger, but our body doesn't understand. Our brainstem, our lizard brain doesn't understand that just because we're out of connection doesn't mean we're in danger. So the physiological occurrence is that because I'm disconnected, because I don't have other people around me offering co-regulation to my emotional experience, I must be in danger. Therefore, I'm activating my survival mechanisms. And these present differently for everybody. Some people are going to be the fighters. You know, that really hot-headed person in your life who they're really quick to chuck something across the room or feel like, oh, they just have to hit something to feel better. Or you've got the people that use their words really sharply. We all have our own ways of expressing this, but internally in our bodies, it's the same process. And then you also have the runners. You've got the people that will avoid a conflict, that will get really heated and walk away, run away, get out of the situation. It's what we do with that that matters. It's how we then respond to our body's cues that matters. Coming back to loneliness, the experience of loneliness, research has found for years that the experience of loneliness triggers that same experience in our bodies. And when our bodies are constantly under duress, constantly under the perceived threat of disconnection, the perceived threat of loneliness, it starts to take hold and make changes. So that comes back to the cortisol, the stress hormone, increased blood pressure, heart rate. When we're under stress, our bodies hold on to weight more. So if you're constantly stressed out and you're trying to lose weight, it's going to be even more difficult because your body is saying, no, we can't lose this weight. We might need it. We might need this as fuel to live, to survive a danger, to survive a threat. The APA the American Psychological Association has done a number of studies, and it's also found that not only do we have this physiological experience of loneliness, it also activates the same or similar neural pathways in our brains as physical pain. So for people who are depressed, who are already struggling, or just, hello, pandemic, were isolated and stressed, the experience on a physical level of loneliness is the same as one of experience experiencing physical pain. I believe that this is where the, the phrase heartbreak comes from, because when you are going through such loss or grief, there's loneliness attached to that, whether that's a breakup or a death. The loneliness that attends or accompanies a loss like that feels painful. Our hearts break, and we can feel that in our bodies. This is a heavy topic to be talking about by myself. I just want you all to know, you know, this is kind of a stream of consciousness, as most of our episodes are. <laughs> and even though I know this inside out, backwards and forwards, not having somebody else to see, to feel connected to, 
I'm actually experiencing some of these things as I describe them. It's kind of an odd experience, dear listener. I just wanted you to know that. Other risks of loneliness, like we talked about with the benefits of, of connection, in, in older folks, there have been so many studies that people with friends, whether that's in an assisted living home or elderly people that play cards or talk on the phone to their family or friends, their cognitive abilities, their ability to think and remain attuned and hold on to those memories that are so important, it's increased when we have connection. By being engaged with other people, our brains quite literally work better. And when we lose that, our cognitive abilities tend to decrease. Because I think, I haven't read this anywhere, but I wonder, I suspect, that a part of that is because we don't have somebody else's experience to compare our own to or to challenge us to think about things in a different way. So much of friendship is learning how to take somebody else's perspective, being able to, if not fully put yourself in somebody else's shoes and empathize with that experience, at the very least, hear that other experience, imagine it for yourself, and consider an alternate point of view, which therein is use of your cognitive faculties. You're challenging the way that you are accustomed to thinking. You're, you're challenging and pressing against the habituated patterns of thought that you are so accustomed to, that they're so natural, they're second nature, you don't even realize that they're there. Having a friend, having a, a what a gift, what a gift, what an amazing human experience to be able to connect with someone and challenge your own beliefs, worldview, not that you have to change your beliefs or worldview, but at least to experience somebody else's. What a gift and what an honor. You know, Melissa and I have told you guys our whole story of how we perceived our early years of our friendship, our budding years of our friendship, and the ways in which we connected with each other. And so much of that came from experiencing her truths, her opinions, her point of view, and taking that in and thinking about it, examining it, and then deciding in many cases, oh, I like that way of looking at that situation unconsciously, well, kind of consciously, not unconsciously, maybe without labeling it as such, internalizing some of those lessons that I've learned from her. And I dare say she would say the same of me, that we, through our friendship, have learned from each other, not just knowledge, but other ways of seeing the world and understanding the world. So loneliness, it sucks. It's a horrible way to feel like you're living. And I empathize with that. Being disconnected, in a world where connection is at our fingertips through technology, it must feel so horrible. In fact, I would argue that I know how horrible it feels because there's not the same relief or experience of connecting with a friend over FaceTime or Zoom or whatever else as actually being in the same room with somebody. It feels so damn good to share space with somebody else. And it feels so damn terrible to not be able to do that. To look at your phone and think, I don't have anyone I can text. I don't have anyone I can call. And now we know that that experience not only hurts emotionally, but it also activates the pain receptors in our brains to the point that our body believes that we're experiencing that as a physical hurt. This is a heavy topic, and it's one that I chose because I thought, well, I'm, I'm away from Melissa. We aren't able to get together. 
why not talk about loneliness and the effects of it? That'll be perfect. And here I am, 30 minutes into recording, and I'm feeling drained just talking about it. So I want to share just a few more bits of fact from the American Psychological Association. When we're lonely and isolated, our risk of depression increases significantly. And then it becomes kind of a feedback loop in my experience. We're lonely, so we feel depressed. And then because we're depressed, we maintain loneliness because it's so hard to reach out and connect to someone when you're already feeling depressed, when you're already mistakenly believing that you are a burden on that person. And friend, let me tell you, you are not a burden. You are not. Loneliness affects our executive functioning. And so what that means is our ability to plan, our ability to look at the day ahead of us and segment it into hours and what we need to do to accomplish certain things. If I have 30 minutes before a job interview, do I have time to brush my teeth, make breakfast, eat breakfast, clean up from breakfast, shower, shave, do my hair, drive 20 minutes across town? That whole time organization is an executive functioning skill. And some people really struggle with that. Loneliness and depression creates even more difficulty organizing those thoughts. Our hearts, our physical hearts, can be affected by loneliness because of that fight-flight response that's being essentially not even activated or triggered, but is just constantly engaged. That puts a lot of strain on the body. That puts a lot of strain on your heart. And according to the APA, really reduces your cardiovascular functioning. And it's so weird, when I was reading through this stuff earlier, I never realized that by being connected emotionally to someone, not only do our bodies experience all of these benefits or risks, depending on the side of the pendulum we're on, having a friend, having a connection to someone, and it doesn't have to be a friend, it can be a partner, a parent, having that mutually beneficial relationship actually increases our body's ability to combat disease. When we are isolated and lonely, one of the side effects of that loneliness is decreased immune responses. I would wager that that's because our body is expending all these resources and and doing all of these other things to try and manage that fight-flight stress response, which then inherently takes away from our body's ability to fight disease to fight off a cold, to fight off you-know-who. I guess I would like to close this short episode by saying that I know that COVID has kept a lot of us from connecting in the way that we used to. And yeah, we're at the point of this recording two years in. In fact, it's technically the third calendar year of this, and that doesn't feel great. And I know in some parts of the country, some people have been able to get back to a sense of normalcy, of, of going out to dinner, of, of hanging out with friends and doing those kinds of things. And because the reality of the situation is we're not always able to do that in the way that we used to. So if you're struggling, if you're listening to this podcast as a way to glean the insider's key to making a friend, today, I'm not sure I have that answer for you. I'll keep looking for it and keep exploring it with Melissa but please feel free to reach out to us, whether it's to share a story of, of isolation, rescuing yourself from isolation, if it's a story about, I don't know, something joyful, something fun, something happy. We want to hear your stories. We really, 
truly do, and thank you to those of you who have sent them in. We are compiling them into a, well, of course, you guys know me and my spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. So I'm compiling those stories into a spreadsheet, and the folks who have given us permission we will be releasing an episode in the future where we actually share these stories. And I just want you to know that if you don't have a story like that, that feels like it fits in with that, that's okay. I would like your story of loneliness. I would like to be a person that you can share that with. Whether we read it on the podcast or not, that's up to you. You say so in the email or the tweet or the Instagram, whatever, your privacy will be respected. But if that's something that you need to share with someone and you're not sure who to share it with, consider me, consider Melissa, consider us. You can do so by emailing us at bestfriendhoodpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at bfhpod. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash bfhpod. I think I covered it all. Melissa has a wonderful little sticky note with all of the things. And uh, guess what, guys and gals and theys? I'm in my bedroom closet. And there are no sticky notes in here, so I probably missed something. Don't hold it against me. Please remember that you truly, you are loved and worth being loved. From Melissa and Jake, we love you goodbye. Uh, that's how I end it. <laughs>